2020 has been a challenging year for our nation and our world. Amen. Yes. Isaiah 26:20 says, "Come, my people, enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you, hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation has passed." And we did. We entered our private chambers for a season to protect ourselves from the pandemic. However, here at the gathering. Under the leadership of pastors David and Shirley, we faithfully stood as watchmen on the walls. Day and night, we attended our scheduled lampstand worship. We attended prayer Zoom calls, several of them. Um, and we attended the prayer meetings for the presidential prayer watches one, two, maybe three times a week. Every day, we did not, we did not relinquish our our responsibility for prayer. We've not missed one day of being on our knees worshiping, interceding in prayer. And for one main purpose, to pray for our leaders to secure heaven's desire for the upcoming 2020 elections. Now it's just over a month away, we as people of God have the mandated responsibility to go to the polls and vote for the candidates the Lord has put into place. You will find materials in the lobby describing how each candidate stands. And with us today is a very special guest, here to let everyone attending today, watching online, to know how we can take part in the upcoming elections. So it's my pleasure to introduce retired Captain of the United States Navy, Darlene Wood Harvey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, pastors. And uh, I want to thank Josh. He was um, he's a new member here, I think, and he came out and rallied with us, just trying to encourage people. And uh, he asked if I'd be willing to come and do a, a registration Sunday. And I think Josh is in D.C., but thank you, Josh. Um, well, good morning, everybody. What a blessing already. And... Thank you for holding this registration Sunday. It is a serious matter. Um, I just this week heard Victor David Hansen say that this election is about civilization or Marxism. And I don't know about you, but that just gives me chills. <clears throat> Excuse me. The goal is to get Christians across America more engaged in the political process to have our faith make a difference. Jason Yates, who's CEO of MyFaithVotes.org, says 90 million Christians in America are eligible to vote, but as many as 40 million fail to vote in the presidential election cycle. And 15 million, 15 million are not registered to vote. And today, you can, if you've just moved here, and I understand many of you are new to the area, I'm a native of Wilkes, so welcome, and um, you can re-register today. Some people say churches should stay out of politics, but I say Christians should be involved in the political process. Like it or not, thank you. Like it or not, every area of our lives is affected by political decisions. You can't even get a drink of water unless you're paying for it or the water board has approved your area. I mean, it's really overwhelming when you think about what the political process controls in our lives, although we know God is the victor. Have our churches kept silent due to tax-exempt status? I say pay the taxes and preach the truth. <clears throat> we must stop ignoring the evil going on. We have to bring the good of our faith, the values of our faith, into the election process and into the civic arena. In 2020, there are over 100,000 elections going on. 
MyFaithVotes.org offers technology to help people vote, including tools that provide automatic reminders of every election that's going on in your area. And I talk to some people who don't realize even when their primaries are happening. Uh, you can text I vote to 73075 and you will you'll be able to get all local, state, and national election information text to you automatically. Some are shocked when, they, when I tell them I have become a one-issue voter. I haven't always been, but God opened my eyes. What does anything on earth matter if we're killed in the womb? Life is my single issue for any candidate. And if you have two candidates that don't support life, you have, to, you have to choose. So you've got to do a lot of homework, and then you've got to do a lot of praying and letter writing and visiting and just be a really concerned citizen. I am here today as a concerned citizen, not representing anyone else. There are approximately 3,000 babies per day killed. If a person is not allowed to live, nothing has significance. Our, national, our nation's Supreme Court, and we all know what's going on with that now, they make the laws and the rules that have led us to this heinous injustice of slaughtering over 60 million babies. 60 million. That's almost a fifth of these total population of the United States. 3,000 people, think about that, it's like having a 9-11 attack every day. We Christians have remained silent in consent too many times to the choice of killing a child every 30 seconds in America. How can this be possible? Which is good? Which is evil, to save a life or to destroy a life? It's a woman's choice. There's that word. Where is the moral outrage? The blood of these children is on our hands. Lord, forgive me. Do your research. Each candidate is either pro-life or pro-abortion, and abortion equals death. These are the only two options for them, life or death. So today I'm here as long as you need me to help you with your registration and any information I can provide. We need your vote to get godly, life-affirming legislators, judges, tax collectors, all the elected officials and positions. In this present darkness, please pray for God's hedge of protection to again be over our families and our communities and our nation. I hope he'll have mercy and give us a little longer. There's many souls to be harvested. And as you probably know, and I think, Pastor, you all are involved in the tent revival starting tonight here in Wilkes. I've never been to a tent revival, so I plan to be there tonight. Let us return to God, and I want to thank you in advance for doing your civic duty. I, I do have a couple of other things that don't quite fit into my little speech there, but um, I put together a sheet on abortion and what every American needs to know. It's out there at the table, and you're welcome to take a copy. And also, there is... There are bookmarks and a book. Um, I ordered 10 of the books. They're call, it's called The 5,000-Year Leap. Has anybody ever heard of The 5,000-Year Leap? No. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. So you correct me if I say something wrong, okay? <laughs> but, well, I have a budget. <laughs> And a husband. <laughs> I'm a young earther, 
and probably most of you are. And so in recorded history, at this time, 5,000 years, we're the first people that have ever been free to elect our government. The first people. Does that give you chills? There are 28 principles in the book. And um, I'll just give you the first two. The only reliable basis for sound government and just human relations is natural law, God's law. And that's what our government was, how it was formed and founded. A free, number two, a free people cannot survive under a Republican constitution unless they remain virtuous and morally strong. So there's bookmarks. I should have enough for everybody to have one. And another thing, I hear, you know, one vote doesn't make a difference. Well, there's a website I'm sure many of you know of called ifapray.org. And it says, election fraud by the numbers. It gives a lot of numbers here for election fraud, but it says, does one fraudulent vote matter? Think about a fraudulent vote here, and there won't really make, will it really make a difference? Will one vote really alter the outcome of an election? You may be surprised to find out, yes, in Ohio, for instance, in the period of 2013, to 2017, 56 elections resulted in a tie, and 86 elections were decided by one vote. And actually, we would be speaking German except by one vote. I don't know if any of you have read that. Duplicate voting, illegal voting, easy to do in many cases, and easy to miss for poll watchers, can alter results. Ohio is not the only state with these kinds of incidents. The Heritage Foundation reports that Illinois, Iowa, New Hampshire, and others show similar situations where fraudulent voting resulted in different outcomes. Your vote counts. Also, um, there's a newspaper, comes out of Florida, it's Christian Action News, and I ordered a hundred, so hopefully everybody can get one. And if you don't get one, you just go to ChristianActionNews.com, and you can read the whole thing there. Um, so those are out there for you. It's an amazing little paper, and they do a, a lot of research and work on different um, issues relating to voting in Christians. Um, Pastor, have I covered it? <laughs> okay, thank you so very much. God bless you all. And, and we win in the end. <laughs> Amen. I want you to go with me to Ecclesiastes. I want to start off where we... Um, Last week, this scripture just came in my reading, and, um, and I think that is true, but it doesn't come into effect until after the election. Yes, yeah, so we need to look into that a little bit more, and, uh, but it is a step in the right direction, you know, and it defines who we are, so thank you. But look at this scripture in Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to get in the word I uh, something we have to go after today and and then we want to spend time in prayer and uh, I just I'm believing that what happened yesterday is just gonna reverberate and echo across the country I don't know what other churches are doing but this is the time to seek the Lord you know just carrying on your script as Jerry was speaking I don't know that that's gonna work it's not gonna do anybody any good we gotta have the script of heaven but anyway look at this in Ecclesiastes we stumbled across this, but I feel like many people missed it. Look in verse 12, chapter 2. Then I turned myself to consider wisdom 
and madness and folly. Now, madness is delusion, deception. So he's considering the deception that he's, he's watching. And folly is nonsense and foolishness. You see any nonsense and foolishness going on today? For what can man do who succeeds the king? But look down in verse 13. Then I saw that wisdom excels folly, and light excels darkness. How many of you are glad for that? Darkness is not as great as light. Light is greater. When light comes in, the darkness flees. Then in verse 14, the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceive that the same event happens to them all. So he's giving us some understanding. There are going to be events that will happen, and then depending on your perspective is how you're going to respond to that event. One man will walk in foolishness and folly because he doesn't have the wisdom of God, but the other man who will be wise, his eyes are in his head. In other words, he has wisdom, and he's perceiving things from heaven's perspective. Does that make sense? So when things begin to happen in America, some people are going to go mad, while others are going to have a hope because they see from a different angle. They see that God is still on the throne. Does that make sense? So I think that's a strange scripture. I didn't want to pass it by, and I didn't want you to miss it. I want to be one of those whose eyes are in my head. You know, I want to be wise. So in other words, in times of foolishness and nonsense, you need the wisdom of God. So, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that we, we're desperate and we have a God that is moving and in response to the prayers of his people and the hunger. And we thank you, God. There are people here. There are people watching. And, uh, Lord, yesterday, all on the mall, people are seeking the Lord. And it's still going on. And we thank you, God, for those that organized those efforts. And, uh, but, Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in, a na- in our nation. And for the reminder that wisdom will excel folly and light is greater than darkness. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title for the message this morning is Contending for America. Contending, really, for any nation that finds itself in trouble. How many of you would believe or would admit with me our nation is in trouble? Things are not normal. We need a big God. Yet we're not the first nation in history that's been in trouble before. Have you ever been in trouble? Most of us, if you were born in sin, like I was, you were born in trouble. And we needed a Savior to come and interrupt and change the direction of our life. Now I want you to go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 8 and follow along with me. It would be a lot better if you could follow along. You know, in the old days, you would hear the pages of the Bible, you know, begin to turn and you'd take notes and We may want to go back to those old days. I personally believe you need to see what is written. You need to see what is being said so you can go home and, like the Bereans, see if what they said is of the Lord or not. You know what I'm talking about. And um, not everything that people say is thus saith the Lord is necessarily thus saith the Lord. And you got to know the difference today. But look in 1 Kings chapter 8. It's a parallel, you know, passage to... Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, <clears throat> so I want to look at some things, and how do we get out of the trouble we're in? Verse twenty two. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands toward heaven, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there's no god in heaven above, or the earth below like you who keep covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their heart. Verse 26, and now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true which you've spoken to your servant David, my father. Or he could, we could also say, let your word, your promise, your covenant be, let it come to pass what you've spoken over this nation or over our lives. <clears throat> Yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication 
Oh Lord my God, listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today, that your eyes may be open toward this temple. So he's dedicating the temple. We're familiar with the context. That his name is written there. And verse 30, may you hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear in heaven your dwelling place and where you hear forgive. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced, now look at this, is forced to take an oath. Forced to comply in some agreement that is just you know, it's the mandate, whatever. I'm going to go into more detail, but I'm thinking of this as I'm reading this scripture. And he comes and takes an oath before your altar. In other words, he's trying to be a child of God, yet fit in with the mandates of earth at the same time. Then heaven, then here in heaven, and act. And judge your servants. Condemn, condemning the wicked. Bringing his way on his own head. Did you, did you read that? You see that? This is in the book. Some people say you shouldn't pray those kind of prayers. Then take it out of the book. And justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. When your people Israel are defeated or America, because whatever was written beforehand was written for our example on whom the ends of the ages have come. When your people are defeated before an enemy because they've sinned against you, And when they turn back to you, that's what yesterday was all about, and confess your name and pray and make supplication to you in the temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people. When the heavens are shut up and there's no rain because they've sinned, when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin, then hear your people and teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain on their land. When there's famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers. And when their enemy besieges them in the land of their cities. Have we seen the enemy besieging us in any of our cities? Whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel. And when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hand, then here in heaven... Your dwelling place, forgive and act, and give to everyone according to all his ways, that they may fear you all the days of their life. Verse 44, when your people go out to battle against their enemy, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the the city which you've chosen, which I built, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. The word cause means justice. You've heard of of environmental justice, racial justice. What about God's justice? We're going to see God's justice in this day. And when they sin against you, for there's no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to their enemy. Verse, yet when they come to themselves in the land where they've been carried away and repent, And make supplication to you in the land of those who have been taken captive, saying, We have sinned and done wrong. We have committed wickedness. And when they return with all their heart, you hear, you've chosen them. Verse 49, Then hear in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer, and their supplication, and maintain their cause. In other words, let justice, heaven's justice, be revealed on the earth. Now, that's a powerful scripture. You could stop right there. The scripture speaks for itself. I told you many times about Milton Green, that God used him in my life as a young boy. And he had these in-the-word seminars. And most of the time, all he would do is read the word. He would read one chapter, and then he'd go to the, he'd read. But it was like the fire of God would come out of his mouth. And off the pages of the Bible. And I was following along, making notes, scribbling in my everything. And it was like fire would come out of the altar and fly in the air and burst inside of my heart. It was an amazing time in my life. Because the Word of God speaks for itself. We may need less commentary in these days. But we also, we need to speak what God has given us. Now, as we prepare to pray, we're going to prepare just in a bit. We're not the first nation that's been in trouble in history. 
We're not the first nation that's been at a tipping point, that stood on the precipice, on the edge of disaster. You know, we really are on the edge in this hour. And I kept hearing that from all the speakers yesterday, especially, you know, in Jonathan Kahn's gathering. It was amazing. We lined up at the Lincoln Memorial and marched down past the Washington Monument, and we stopped at these various locations and prayed. And then the two groups kind of merged in together, and it was massive. And then we went on to the Capitol and prayed, prayed in David's tent. David's tent is still there. You want to think of a miracle. How in the world could they allow a tent with 24-hour worship last that long, this many years, on the Capitol if it not were a work of the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you. An act of Almighty God just favor like we've never known. Anyway, I'm so grateful for David's tent. But anyway, we're not the first nation. It's like saying, hey, Houston, we have a problem. Houston's not the only place. Miami has a problem. New York has a problem. Portland has a problem. Hey, Portland, you have a... Seattle, Minneapolis, New Orleans, Jacksonville, Jackson, you name it. Just name your city. We have problems. I've never seen a time like this. Are any of you like me? Have you ever seen a day like we're living right now with all the things happening? Just gonna, I'm not <clears throat> picking a fight. I'm just telling you what happened. But I might fight. I don't know. But anyway, I've learned some things about these masks. I've learned, number one, they are stretching the statistics like way beyond you've ever known. They're lying about the numbers. If it was up to me, everyone that's lying about this coronavirus would go to prison. And I would even, well, anyway, I won't go there. But anyway, I know it's hard for me to fake. It's hard for me to play along. So anyway, we went into a place, and I'm always mindful. You know, they may throw you out, especially if you're hanging around Washington, D.C. They're liable to shoot you. So anyway, we, we're in the line. We're getting ready to place our order. And the woman behind the cash register looks up at us, Shirley and I, the only ones not wearing masks in that little section. And she looks at us, and I thought she's going to throw us out. She looks at us and starts clapping. Are you kidding me? And, you know, the thought came to me. We don't need comrades in this hour. We need champions. America's looking for champions that will stand for the truth and not just join in with the crowd. Anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. We need champions of the faith. If everybody just jumps in and gets like everybody, where's the courage going to come? I'll never forget that little lady looking up, clapping in my face. And anyway, you know, I'm not saying sometimes you may have to, you may not be able to buy or sell if you don't put on that dumb mask. I don't know. You're going to have to make a choice. But you know, in 1 Kings, we see an example of a nation of what was, and what would make a nation great. And a nation would be great when they turned to God. Any other solution was not going to last very long. You remember it was prophesied of John the Baptist? Who was it? The angel prophesied to Zacharias about John the Baptist. He said, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Greatness is how God sees you, not how men see you. It's how you are viewed in the eyes of heaven. Now, notice some things in this text. There are two things that I want to see, and then we're going to look at... uh, couple of other things there, but you guys are still, you hadn't checked out on me, have you? I'm, I'm with you in these battles. I just, it's hard for me to live fake. Besides, especially when I know what the Word has to say about it. And somebody's got to stand for truth. If the church doesn't stand, you think our senators are going to stand? Forget it. They want your vote. If, 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 you, if they think they're going to lose your vote, they're going to compromise and they're going to pretend to be what they know inside. Same thing with our football coaches. 
I look at these NFL coaches and they're all, now I know they'll be fired. No, they'll be fined. What'd they do? They fined coaches a million dollars last week. Three coaches for wearing their mask under their nose or something. In other words, how dare you? They want the image promoted 24 hours a day, folks, that you must bow to the bales of this hour. I ain't going to bow. You say, they may throw you out. Well, let them throw me out. I know I'm getting off course. That's because I stayed up most of the night. I have an excuse. No, I don't. I'm going to get back because I got the word to preach. Look at this. Verse 46, when they sin against you, for there's no one who does not sin. There's no nation that has not sinned. Other nations have been in the mess we're in. It just seems like this mess is like piling on. You know, all the messes are happening at the same time. And it looks like it's like an end of an age mess, if you ask me. You, you know what I'm talking about. It leads up to fulfillment of prophecy in the Scripture. But they've all sinned. Verse 47, yet when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive and repent, and they say, we've sinned and we've done wrong. We've committed a wickedness. So first of all, they, there's an unrighteous. Secondly, what they actually confess, look in verse 38. Back up in the next verse 38, it says, Whenever, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands toward this temple. In other words, the plague that is most dangerous right now and that threatens us the most is the plague of our heart. The problem is not the coronavirus. The problem is the sin in the heart of men and women. And the only antidote, the only vaccine, and that's something else that's coming down the pike that's going to give us a lot to talk about, but we'll get there when we get there. If you've made up your mind you're going to follow Jesus, you don't have to worry about those choices that are coming down the pike. You've already set your resolve. It's him that I will bow to and none other. You might want to go ahead and make that choice, America. You make it now. What are you going to wait on? Till the fire, till he gets hot? No, make the choice now whom you will serve. If you're going to serve Baal, then go for it with all you've got. Man, just don't even look at a church. When you drive by, just put up some kind of uh, image. I don't even want to look at that place. Be a devoted follower of Baal because you're going to have the opportunity. And if you're going to follow Jesus, the same thing. Be devoted to him. What else you got to do? This is the greatest time to be devoted to Jesus. This is it, man. This is it. He's taking names. The teacher used to put my name on that blackboard. I didn't like it. Anyway, that's totally different. Prayer, not yesterday... I don't know if Jonathan Kahn said it yesterday, but I heard him say it. He said, prayer alone is not enough. In other words, there must be repentance. And what, I heard one of the speakers really, really go into that. There must be the turning back. There must be. For repentance is forsaking sin and turning toward God and his ways. Now, how did the people pray when they understood they were in trouble? And this is a great story. Number one, here are four things. You got it? Number one, they confessed their sin, the plague of their heart. Verse 38 says, when each one knows the plague of his heart. In other words, it's not just some lip service. You have to know that sin is sin and that there's a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. You know what we need in this hour. You know, the scripture says in John, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, because I go to my Father, the Lord said, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The word convict can also mean convince. We need the Holy Spirit to convince America that we've, we've sinned and that there's a plague in our heart. And following the conviction, following the con convincing, comes the confession. How many of you know what confession is? It's not just going in a booth. 
you know. I never did that. How many of you grew up in that tradition where you went in a booth? Was it scary to confess those things? I would think it'd be scary. Did they know who you were? That would be hard for me. I'd want to wear a mask. Now, that's when I would wear a mask. I'd go, <laughs> I don't want him to know what I did. I thank God I, some people don't know what I did as a kid. I went to him, and he forgave me. Thank God, my confession. Thank you, Jesus. But we can't sugarcoat sin. We can't cover it up. we got to admit it. It's sin, rebellion. In fact, that's what it says in verse 47 of that text. He just calls it wickedness. He says, we've sinned and done wrong. We've committed wickedness. Now the problem, we have a problem. I'm going to go somewhere I've never gone before. Now this I've gone before. Maybe it'll help me go to where I have not gone before in a minute. But the problem is, how do you repent for sin in a land when most of the people are in agreement with that sin? And they're participating. For example, abortion. I'm so glad it was addressed this morning. We address it from time to time. But if you want to know what abortion is, just study the Old Testament sacrifice of children before Baal and Molech. And they would give their children to the gods, the demons. It was a blood sacrifice. Do you know what I really believe with all my heart? Abortion is... This is why people get so upset when there is even the thought that Roe v. Wade might be overturned or when one of their champions dies. They're upset because it is a blood sacrifice to the God of this world. I'm going to say it anyway. What I got to lose? If they come for me, you're next. Now I'm... I heard somebody say that the Supreme Court justice had just died. They said, I hope she got right with God before she died. And I pray, I hope she did too. Now, I didn't see an open vision, but I saw in my spirit Ruth Bader Ginsburg with the blood of 60 million children dripping from her hands. She was soaked in the blood of 60 million children. You know, I think about their people that they give them, what is it called, the Margaret Sanger Award. Hillary Clinton proudly received the Margaret Sanger Award. They give it out to leading people in that party all the time. Margaret Sanger was the founder of Planned Parenthood. She was, she's a hero today among the left. She was into eugenics. Her goal was to kill eradicate the black population that was her goal and yet leading African Americans in America trumpet her as a champion it is the most disgraceful despicable and those men that wear the tag reverend when they support Margaret Sanger they're no more reverend than a reverend I'm telling you they are not a reverend of the most high God they're a reverend okay of the God of this world. And I thank God for our president that wants to do this executive order. I don't know all the details. But I tell you, the blood of 60 million children is crying out right now from the ground of America. And God's vengeance is going to be done. It's going to happen. But you know, I was just thinking, the blood sacrifice. Well, Jesus, without the remission of sin, there is no sacrifice. There's no forgiveness, right? So they sacrificed the blood of children to their God. Jesus was sacrificed on the cross. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of sin. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Margaret Sanger, and every other one that's participated in this unbelievable chaos, genocide, whatever you want to call it, sin, can be forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only way to be forgiven. And then the second thing this example shows us, they contend for the covenant. Now watch this. I've never been here before, but I'm going to go here. Chapter, we're in the same chapter, verse 22. 
Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord, spread out his hands, said, Lord God of Israel, there's no God in heaven above or on earth, below like you. You're going to have to make that choice in this hour. Among whose, who will you serve? And he said, Lord God of Israel, there's none who keep your covenant with, and mercy, thank God for mercy, with your servants who walk before you with all their heart. And then he gives the example of David. And he says in verse 26, And now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you've spoken to your servant. Now, a covenant was an agreement, right? It's a compact, a treaty, a promise between two parties. And when the covenant was broken, there were the consequences of breaking the covenant, and there's the benefit of keeping the covenant, right? You got it? Now, how can man make a covenant with God? What man? I just read, there's no one that has not sinned. And so, how is it that man can make covenant with Almighty God? Well, obviously, God has the hard part. But you and I, he gives us the Holy Spirit that enables us to keep the covenant. It's, a, it's something that is divinely accomplished in the Spirit by a loving God that fills us with his Spirit in order to enable us to do the will of the Father. But anyway, that's, that's more. But I want to tell you, this is what I believe. There are two contending visions for America right now. There are two alternative destinies. How do I say that? Because when I'm walking around in that city yesterday, I'm reminded, you know, the city is laid out as a Masonic, occultic, ancient, Egyptian. There's the, the city's laid out with all this occultic symbolism. Now, just stay with me. Don't leave yet. In fact, you want to know, now you think it's a conspiracy. Just get your dollar bill out and look on the back of it. It's got a big pyramid with an all-seeing eye. How many of you know that all-seeing eye is not the all-seeing eye of God? It's not. Obviously, now hang with me. There were those somewhere along the way that had a vision that America would help bring to pass, Revelation chapter 13, a new world order or a government. Somebody evidently thought that. They wouldn't have been working for all these hundreds of years into this satanic undermining and all of the stuff. In fact, didn't they just have a United Nations meeting last week? Was it last week or week before? Last week. Where one of the speakers, he got up and said, now no one wants a world government, but as a result of the coronavirus, the post COVID error will be an error of world government. That's what he said. So obviously, who? Oh, Prince Charles said it too. I'm thinking about the guy from Devos. But Prince Charles said it too. They all say it. They've been saying it. And if we say what they said, they say, you're, you're off, you're, you've lost your mind. No, we hadn't lost our mind. But at the same time, now listen to this. Obviously, there's a different agenda for America too. Because you walk around and you see the pyramids and you see these things. But you also see the scriptures. It's written all throughout Washington, D.C. And you remember our forefathers made a covenant with God, the Mayflower Compact. When they found this nation, what did they say? What was the two purposes for the nation, according to the believers? For the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith. Right? And we've read, and even Jonathan Kahn reminds us about the chapel. The first capital was in New York City. George Washington dedicated the nation to Almighty God. And he just, we just read a quote that our president quoted from George Washington earlier. So obviously, there are two contending visions. My thought is, who says the other side has to win? Who said? Where is it written? Okay, Revelation chapter 13. How do you know we're there right now? 
How do you know this is the absolute end of the age, mark of the beast? How do you know that? It might be. It looks like it. It's a good warm-up, a good practice. You know, if you can't resist some of these things now, how are you going to resist the mark of the beast? We better be looking into this stuff. Some people think they're going to be gone. Well, I'm not even going to be here. I'm going to let you fool around with that mark. You might be surprised. I'd rather be ready. And then if you're not here, you can be glorious. Say, I told you we weren't going to be here. I'll, I'll shout with you. I'll rejoice. I don't like pain. How many of you like pain? I'm not in. You know, Revelation talks about it's not going to have, he's not coming until the number of those who are beheaded are beheaded. I'm not into losing my head. It's the only one I got. You know, I mean, I'm just being honest. You got to be real. You got to have a little fun, too. If they put you on it, you know, have fun. I don't know how you're going to have fun. I don't know. This is not going to be, I have a feeling it's going to be more glorious than we know. So what am I saying? All I'm saying is there are two contending visions for this nation. And I'm not about to lay over and roll over and play dead and let the other side that worships the devil have the upper hand. We should rise up and be the church. Let the results be up to God. But be the people of God. Hold up the standard of truth and righteousness. Call the nation. Who knows a nation could be saved in a day. Nothing is impossible with our God. Nothing. Their plans, listen, it's the same thing all through history. Haman had a plan for the people of God. He wanted all them to be hung on the gallows. On the very day that they were to be hung, the whole God came through, turned over the plans because of Esther, Mordecai, and those who stood for truth, and just the opposite occurred. Folks, I'd rather believe God than believe all this other stuff. Now, here's another example of it, David. What if David had said, okay, it looks like the Philistines are winning. They're entrenched. They got the money. They got billions of dollars. They've got everybody towering in fear, complying with the mandates. Man, they're there. They got it all. They got the big names. They got vans. They even pull up in the cities before the riots filled with riot stuff like bricks, things that are convenient where you can just go to the van, get a brick out, and go throw it through a window. You don't even have to bring it with you. It's all laid out. How many of you know this is true? I'm not just whistling Dixie. You know, you can't whistle Dixie anymore. But anyway, I'm just not fooling around. They got all the money. They got all the plans. They got the lockdowns, intimidations, riots, threats, impeachments, falsehoods, deceptions, folly. They got it all. But we got the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did David said, in this, in this day, all the earth will know that there is a God in America. Now, he didn't say America. He said Israel. I'm saying America. For the battle is the Lord's. And David rose up and prevailed against Goliath. He didn't, everybody else was in fear, running for their lives. David showed up, said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would taunt the armies of the living God? Where are the Davids in this nation today? You got to be a David. I don't care, male, female. You can be loving. How do you know David wasn't loving when he, you know, I love you, Goliath. I love you, Goliath. I love you, Goliath. Boom. I don't know. I'm just, I don't need to stay up all night next time I preach. <clears throat> I guess, all right, verse 38, I don't even have a voice. Where's my voice yelling, praying yesterday? It was crying out with, for God, for my nation. Man, I, did, how many of you guys, there were tears at times when they're praying. I'm, God, I'm in agreement. They're praying, God, come to our nation. I know what the alternative is. 
and I'm crying out, and you are too. Verse 38, okay, here we go. Whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by any, now watch this, by anyone or by all your people. I thought, now wait a minute, there's a lot of people there yesterday that had to be important in the eyes of God, and it was. But that scripture says, not only by all the people, but by anyone. The things that you do when no one else is watching in obedience to God is very important to the purposes of heaven. Two weeks ago when I was in Minneapolis, and you guys know, got to preach on the streets across from burned out buildings. It was an amazing thing. But Sunday morning, I had time before the plane left, and I went on a little prophetic journey, and no one knew about it. I'm not going to tell you all the details, because you think it's foolish. No, maybe you wouldn't think it's foolish, but, you know, you got to just have the faith of a little child sometimes. So I just went somewhere and did a prophetic thing. Nobody knew about it. I wrote it in my journal, told Shirley about it. And I thought, you know, that scripture says not by only by everyone, but by anyone. If God tells you to get up and do something, go blow a shofar on the top of a mountain, shout out, Jesus saves, I don't know, whatever he tells you to do, blow that trumpet with all of your might. Get up on that mountain and sound the alarm on the holy mountain, whatever it is. If he tells you to go downtown somewhere and pour out oil and pray some prayer, just do it. Do it. This is the hour to do it. Do it. Do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do because you don't know the impact, the importance of that. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he hears, and his ears are open to their cries by the many or by the one. And then the last thing is to call out to the God who alone can act. Look in verse 32, and then we'll go to verse 39. He says, then, verse 31 is amazing. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath, that word oath means a public agreement. They're forced to do something that's contrary to the will of God. And then they claim to be a child of God because they go to the altar. I'm just saying. I'm not going to go into too much detail. But then in verse 32, then God, here in heaven and act. God, judge your servants, condemning the wicked, bringing on their own head the things that they've tried to bring on ours. And justify the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. Did any of you see that? Is it in the Bible? You can erase it out if you would like. I'm not. And then in verse 39, we need the God that acts. And that's what he says there. He says, then here in heaven, your dwelling place, and forgive and act. Act. Psalm 119, 126 says, It is time for you to act, O Lord, because they have regarded your law as void. Somebody came down yesterday, you may have seen him, Thomas, walking down the mall with a sign, God's word matters. He had a sign, God's word matters. And I was in agreement. I looked, I said, yes, God's word. What about God's word? They've considered your word as void. God's word matters. It's time for you to act, oh God. And then Isaiah 64, remember, we need him to come and shake the mountains. Some people have been praying, we want to take over the mountains. I've always gone to Isaiah 64. God, we need you to come and break up the mountains in pieces. This is what we need. We need you to come shake and show yourself strong in this hour. That you're the God above all. And I believe he's going to. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Well, there's more we could read. But our nation is at a crossroads. Families. The destiny of nations, but the souls in the nation. I personally believe that people are going to make choices in this hour that will determine their eternal destiny. 
they're going to choose death or they're going to choose life. And it will be written on the board in heaven. I'm just telling you. I could water that down. Say, God knows. He understands. You can vote for death. It's no problem. It's, we have a problem, America. We have a problem. Choose ye this season who you will serve. If Baal is God, then serve him. And don't pretend to go into the house of God and claim to be a believer. You serve your God. Jesus said, you're going to serve one or the other. No man can have two masters. He will hate one, love the other, love one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There are two ways. There's a narrow way and there's a broad way. Religion came along and said you can walk your own way. It's not happening. You either go the broad way that leads to destruction or you follow the narrow way that leads to life. And we have to choose. But I, one of the songs yesterday that it ended up on was that song, As For Me and My House. I don't know, he was a Jewish, Messianic Jewish guy that sang that song. I, don't, I hope we can find that song. To me, it was so anointed. Maybe it's because of where we were, I don't know. But it's for me and my house. All over America, people are going to make that decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it's time to do it. As nations, sheep nations and goat nations are going to be decided in this hour. Those who are for him from those who are against him. Wheat from the tares, sheep, goat. Righteous, wicked. And on and on and on. Lord, I thank you, God, for what you're doing in our nation. I thank you, Lord, I got to be a small part. And Lord, all of us get to be big parts when we obey the Lord. When we obey the Holy Spirit and we do the things that you called us to do. You said it's by the prayer of the many and by the prayer of anyone. And I thank you. And I thank you, God, that you're showing us that there are two distinct destinies for the nation. Two groups that have planned the purpose of how this nation would end. But God, I thank you there are many rising up in this hour that will say, as for me and my nation, we will serve the Lord. And God, I thank you that wisdom excels folly and light is greater than darkness. And God, I pray, God, that what happened this weekend now would just echo all across the land, all across the nation, God, in every state, that the church of Jesus Christ would turn from sin and turn to you. And our nation, God, can even be saved in a day. That, God, you would arise and that your name once again would be trumpeted over this land. When God arises, his enemies are scattered. And this is our prayer, God, that your son would shine that Jesus would receive the reward of his suffering for this nation. And this is our prayer. And this is our cry. In Jesus' name. And before we pray at the altar, I'm just going to ask, is there anyone in this room, you say, I don't know that I know Jesus, if you're watching, but I want to know that I know that I know that I'm going to heaven, that I'm saved, that I'm right with God, and the Holy Spirit is convicting me. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? You say, you need prayer this morning. I always want to pray because you never know who's in the room. You never know who's watching. And so could we just pray out loud? And if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you right now, this is a moment. You surrender to him. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Turn. Repentance simply means to turn. You, you recognize sin. This is my way, and I'm turning to walk his way. He is going to be my way for the rest of my life. 
And he forgives us. There's no sin that he can't forgive when you come to turn to him in repentance. So let's just pray. Father, we just say, dear God, I come to you. In the name of your son, I confess I need a savior. And my savior, I declare this moment, is Jesus Christ. I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. I put my trust in his shed blood and in his resurrection. And now I turn from my sin and I give my life to you. I believe in you, Jesus, that you are the son of God, that you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Come into my heart. Forgive me, cleanse me, save me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. Use me for the rest of my life that my life would count for you. And I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.